Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Hello, Raider Nation. Let's go. We are back at it again. Week 15. On Just Pod Baby, I'm Evan Grote. Happy to have you tuning in again. Make sure you are subscribing to the show. There's only four games remaining in this 2022 season before we move into the offseason, and I will be here covering it all for you. Once this season's over, I know you guys are going to be looking for your Raiders fix, and you can get it here all offseason long on Just Pod Baby as long as you are subscribing to the show. Raider Nation, I wasn't with you for the recap show last week after the game on Thursday night against the Rams. I shared some of my thoughts over on Twitter for those of you that follow me at egro 5 And I'm not going to sit here and rehash that game at this point other than to say a few things. I was thinking about past seasons. I cannot think of another season where the Raiders had as many bad losses in one season as they do this year. I have said on many occasions, I've tweeted this out, that this is as bad a loss as you will see. I've said that on multiple occasions this season, and yet each time I've said it, the Raiders have then gone out and actually had another loss that was you know, as bad or worse than the previous one that I tweeted about. It's happened far too often with this team this season. And I want to just go back uh, in time for a second here, starting in week two against Arizona. Remember when the Raiders were up 20 to nothing at halftime and then they they saw that lead slip away and the game ended in overtime, in defeat, Hunter Renfro coughed it up, Byron Murphy, a walk-off scoop and score, 59 yards for a touchdown. I mean, that's as bad as it gets, right? How about blowing a 17 nothing lead at Arrowhead, a game that many people thought the Raiders didn't have a chance. They actually got off to a big lead, and they still found a way to lose that game. Or how about Week 7 when they lost to the Saints in New Orleans, 24 to nothing, and the offense didn't cross the 50-yard line until late until into the fourth quarter? I thought that was as bad as it could get, but I was wrong. Then the Raiders traveled to Indianapolis the week that Frank Reich was fired and Jim Irsay went out and hired Jeff Saturday to be his interim head coach. Jeff Saturday, who a week before that was on an ESPN set talking about football, who had zero coaching experience. With an offensive coordinator, I may add, who was 30 years old and had never called plays in a game before. I thought that was rock bottom but not so fast because what we saw last week on Thursday night, in my opinion, takes the prize as the worst Raiders loss this season. Yes, I know losing to Jeff Saturday and and the Colts was bad, but how in the world did the Raiders lose that game to the Rams? A Rams team that looked like they didn't even want to be out there 
for most of the game. Baker Mayfield, who I got to give him credit, he played excellent in the game given the circumstances. He was able to, after only being with the team for 48 hours, (laughs) don't forget, was able to engineer a 98-yard game-winning drive with no timeouts. With no timeouts. Now, the Rams did benefit from a couple of controversial calls by the refs, to say the least. But how did the Raiders' defense allow that to happen? 98 yards. It's incredible. Another blown lead. Offensively, the Raiders were only able to muster three first downs in the entire second half of the game. Derek Carr with an inexcusable red zone interception to end the first half of the game. Josh McDaniels, a game plan that was way too conservative. Now, there was many factors that led to that loss, but just getting back to the point at hand, there has been some heartbreaking losses this year for the Raiders, and they just continue to find new ways to lose, and we saw that last week on Thursday night. Now, they sit at 5-8 and eight currently, not officially dead, but absolutely They're on life support for sure. I do have some of the playoff scenarios. I'm not sure if you're even interested in hearing those, but I do have the scenarios. What exactly needs to happen for the Raiders to get into the playoffs? I know you're probably sitting there calling me crazy, but I will go over um, all of those different scenarios with you a little bit later on uh, in the show. Before we get to that, though, um, just kind of a rundown here. I've got some other, I've got one other topic that I want to talk about, and we're going to get to it here just after I finish up this little introduction here. Um, I was thinking this week, you know, what, what am I, what are you going to be looking for? You know, when you're, when you're watching a team that's five and eight, now with the playoffs, very, very unlikely. What is it that you're going to be watching for? Now, there's a lot of differing opinions out there on this. Some people, some people in the fan base at five and eight, they they are embracing tank. They want this team to lose games, um, and and some of you may disagree with that, and and you know, but some people would like to see that happen. They want to see the Raiders fail, and they want to see the Raiders improve their position in the draft. Others, other people in the fan base, they want to see some positive things happen here in the final four games. Some more wins, some improvements from. You know, certain players or the coaches, whatever it may be, they want to see signs of life. They want to have something to build on going into the offseason, gaining some momentum, something to, you know, grasp onto to give you hope for next season. That is a priority for them. Now, I think there's valid points to be made on both sides of that argument, but regardless of the outcome in the final four uh, games of this season, I know there's one thing in particular that I'm going to be looking for, and I'm going to share that with you in just a few moments here. Also, this week on the show, we're going to be joined by a guest, Karen Garigian of the Boston Herald. We have spoke to Karen many, many times before. I always enjoy the conversation with her. She's covered the Patriots for a long time, and as you know, she is very familiar with Josh McDaniels and, and Dave Ziegler from their time in New England. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about Josh McDaniels and what she thinks of the start that he is off to here with the Raiders. And of course, we will get an update uh, from her on the Patriots. They've got some injuries right now that they're dealing with uh, this week, and we're going to discuss the matchup uh, between the Raiders and the Patriots. So that is the plan for the show this week. Sit back and enjoy. We're going to jump right into it right now. Um, I, I mentioned in the introduction of the show, what is it that you're going to be looking for here 
in the final four games of the season. You know, as a fan, five and eight, your team is five and eight right now. Not much to play for other than pride. Are you hoping they lose out and improve that draft position? Or are you hoping they win out and make things interesting or at least win a couple of games? Are you looking for small victories? Things to build on. Well, for me, one of the things that I will be paying very close attention to in these next four games is how the offense operates and performs at full strength. Yes, full strength. I'm sure you heard the news by now. Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, they've been practicing this week. They have been designated to return to the team and they are expected to play on Sunday. Now, I know Alex Bars, um, he's on the injury report, and uh, Jermaine Illuminar, he's he's a little bit banged up right now. So there's some there is a couple question marks along the offensive line line right now. But from a skill position perspective, the Raiders should be operating at full strength for the first time in a very long time. Now, the reason why I will be focusing on the performance of the offense is because we already know. We already know changes need to be made on the defense. That is that is stating the obvious. They need corners. They need linebackers. They need help on the interior part of the defensive line. Safeties, they could use some help there as well. We all expect and we all hope for some help on the defense. Through free agency, through the draft, through trade, however it needs to happen, we all know that in order for this team to to get where they want to get to, they got to make some improvements on the defense. But the major unknown with this team going into next season, and I hate to sit here and talk about next season when the season is currently going on, but the major unknown is on offense. There are a couple of players who we don't know whether or not what their future holds with the Raiders. What's going to happen with Derek Carr? What's going to happen with Darren Waller? What about Josh Jacobs? There is more uncertainty right now on the offense. And that that is why it intrigues me. Josh Jacobs has certainly done enough to warrant a new contract. Whether or not that actually happens, your guess is as good as mine. But that is something that is going to be a big, big storyline in the offseason. There is already... Some chatter that is starting to build amongst the fan base, at least. I'm not sure if it's gaining any more traction beyond that. That trading Darren Waller might be a wise decision. As long as somebody's willing to take on that contract and a player that has missed, I believe it's 15 or 16 games in the last two seasons. Derek Carr. You know, we all know he has not played his best ball this year. And the way that contract was written when he signed that extension last offseason, there is definitely an out for the Raiders should they decide to make that move. So in my opinion, these last four games could be the the determining factor in the future of more than a couple players, players that a lot of you like, big name players, big parts of that offense. And uh, I want to bring up um, a story. I'm sure you saw it by Tashawn Reed. He 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 wrote a, a really nice piece on on Thursday for the Athletic. Um, and and the title of his story was "The Raiders' Final Four Games Are About Making the Derek Carr Decision." And 
you know, I don't want to sit here and make this all about Derek Carr, but obviously, you know, he's the quarterback of the team. He is the most polarizing player that we have seen in, in, in many, in, in some time. Um, uh, I thought the story was very well written. I encourage you to go out and read it um, over at The Athletic. But, you know, on my last show, my last podcast last week, I talked about the narrative around the Raiders after their three-game win streak and how things had really started to become much more positive. There was some excitement. There was some momentum around the team and and the future and, and Derek Carr. Now, that, that positive energy and that momentum, that all came to a screeching halt after that Rams loss. You know, you have to be honest. Things are right back where they started when the Raiders were 2-7 and seven, as far as morale, in my opinion, anyways. I'm not sure what it's like in that locker room. But to me, based on what I was seeing on Twitter, and I know that's not the best gauge for, you know, how the fan base feels, but it is one measuring stick that we have. Morale is low. And so here we are. And I'm wondering, is this last four games the final audition for guys like Derek Carr, Darren Waller, and Josh Jacobs? You know, whether you love Carr or hate Carr, the organization does have a decision to make on him because um, just after the Super Bowl, according to what I was reading, I'm looking at his 2023 salary plus 7.5 million of his 2024 salary becomes fully guaranteed on February 15th of 2023. So we're going to know very, very soon what the future of Derek Carr in silver and black will be. Now, they could absolutely keep him on the roster past that date and decide to trade him maybe before the draft. You know, there are a couple options that they have. Now, I think if you are going to move on from Derek Carr, obviously trading him is the most desirable way to go about it. So you can get something in return, of course, rather than just letting him walk. Um, and then maybe they decide to keep him. You know, we just don't know. Now, I have seen some out there. I even saw our good friend of the show, Mo Moten, tweeted Thursday that he doesn't believe that the Final Four games is going to sway their decision either way on some of these players. And I agree. You know, it's a bit of a stretch to, to, to think that four games alone versus an entire season um, is going to be weighed a little bit hev- more heavily in the evaluation process. But, you know, if Waller and Renfro do come back, and, and, and things should end on a very high note, offense scoring a lot of points, they win a couple games here down the stretch, perhaps that gives McDaniels and Ziegler some hope that maybe it was just the injuries that, that held you know, the offense back or Derek Carr back. But on the other hand, if things kind of remain the same and we see the offense continue to struggle in the red zone, and they have quarters and halves where they can't move the ball, they can't pick up first downs, and they can't score points, and they lose you know, three out of four games, well, maybe that will confirm what they might already be thinking. We just don't know. So those are some of my thoughts on the final four games of the season. Please let me know, what are you going to be looking for the remainder of the season Get me a message on Twitter. Send me a DM at egrote5. Also, the, the website 
justpodbaby.com. You can reach me through the contact page. Those messages go directly to my email. And also, if you guys have any questions that you would like me to answer, I will read them on air and and we'll get you a shout out uh, if you want to send me some of those as well. All right, guys, that is going to do it here for the first segment of the show. I'm going to step aside and get to a quick break. When I return, we're going to bring in our guest, longtime Patriots beat writer from the Boston Herald, Karen Garigian, is going to be joining the show. Looking forward to the conversation. Uh, You guys don't want to miss that. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Just Pod Baby, part of the Sports Not Podcast Network. All right, we are back. Segment two, Just Pod Baby, and we got a little Christmas music on there to lighten the mood. Christmas just around the corner, of course, and next week, week 16, the Raiders have a Christmas Eve game, and uh, so I'll have to... uh, figure out a way to work that into my schedule between church and uh, dinner with the family and wrapping up some last minute gifts. And of course, a tradition that we have at my house, which I'm sure is the tradition at many of your houses is It's a Wonderful Life is on TV as well. So I'll have to be doing a little bit of juggling with multiple televisions uh, on Christmas Eve next week to get it all in. But we are going to keep it moving here on Just Pod Baby, brought to you by SportsNot.com. And make sure you do go check out the website, SportsNot. I am a segment producer for them now, so there's a lot of uh, video segments that are up at the website. Also, some great work by uh, Mo Moten, who you all know very well. He put out a really good story this week as well, talking about two of the things that the Raiders must do to improve uh, before next season. Uh, make sure you go out there and read that story by Mo. Really, really good. Uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to we're going to welcome in our guest this week from the Boston Herald, longtime Patriots beat writer Karen Garigian joins us now, and I'm glad that she's here with us because not only do the Raiders play the the Patriots on Sunday, but she is very familiar with with Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels and general manager Dave Ziegler, and, and I've got some things that I want to discuss with her. Um, so, Karen, first of all, we appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time this evening, and, and how are you doing? Sure, no problem. Let's jump right into it. The Raiders are 5-8 and eight right now. Obviously not the season that the organization uh, or fans alike had in mind. And, and there's several reasons for the poor record, but, but coaching is definitely at the top of that list. The Raiders have struggled with closing out games, uh, games that they've had large leads in. Um, the the efficiency in the red zone on offense has not been good at all this year, and and overall the team is just not executing well enough on a consistent basis to, to win to win games. Now now my opinion of that is that that's a direct correlation or a reflection I should say of the coach. Now I know you don't cover the Raiders, and and, and I'm not sure how much attention you've paid to the Raiders uh, this season, but I'd, I'd like to get some of your thoughts. Um, on that, and if you are surprised to see the Raiders struggling this badly early on in the McDaniels and Ziegler era, well, I have watched when I can, um, and it is a little bit surprising to me. I, I, I mean, given the talent pool they have, <laughs> um, but I know they've had. Um, significant injuries, uh, largely on offense. And I think by and large, Evan, it takes, especially for a system like the one Josh is 
introduced into uh, the locker room or the, for, for the offense and for Derek Carr. I think it takes a little bit of time to adjust to it, to, to feel good about it, to buy into it. Um, I mean, the Patriots, uh, conversely, because of the complexity of Josh's system or the system that's been long standing with the Patriots and kind of grew, you know, taken to a different level by Josh and Tom Brady. Um, they, you know, since they have two defensive guys or a defensive guy and a special teams guy now running the offense, tried to streamline that offense to make it easier for two, for a defensive coordinator to coach offense. That's Matt Patricia. And also to try and make it easier for the players. Um, I mean, that even hasn't gone all that well, but you know, cutting to the chase here, I just think it takes time for everyone to feel comfortable with what they're doing, confident in what they're doing and to get to a point where they believe that the the new system and the new coaches that they have are taking them to the right place. Yeah, and and <clears throat> I think that's a a good perspective on it. You know, as someone who doesn't watch all of, all of the Raider games, you you do have a very good you know insight into Josh McDaniels and his system. And although a lot of the fans are unhappy with McDaniels, and even some of them are calling for him to be fired, it does look like he will be given that time because he did get a vote of confidence uh, from the owner, Mark Davis, just a few weeks ago. So um, let, let's let's look ahead now um, to the game. It, it, it's going to be a very important game uh, for the Patriots as they are right in the thick of the AFC wildcard race. And I was looking at the remaining games for the Patriots. It's not exactly the easiest of schedules with games against Cincinnati, Miami, and then they end the season with Buffalo following uh, this weekend's game with the Raiders. So when you look at what's remaining on the schedule for the Patriots, is this shaping up to be a must-win game for them this weekend? Yeah, and I think every game's must-win for them, but, you know... I think any loss down the way is, you know, if they lose the, to the Raiders, again, given the Raiders' record, um, and then looking ahead to all the teams with winning records that they're about to face, it's not going to bode well. So, yeah, I think they definitely treat treating it as must-win. Um, they found a way to win in Arizona, and I think – you know, a, a win over the Raiders. I won't say it doesn't give them a cushion, but again, it, it helps them. You know, with the long-term goal of making making the postseason. What is the number they have to get to, in your opinion? I mean, there's four games remaining. They're seven and six. Well, I'd say ten for sure would would clinch it, and nine is fifty-fifty nine wins, and they're currently. Uh, at six. Yeah. So they got to play well here in the final four games to say the least, you know, what, one of the, yeah, no question. Right. I'm sorry. They have seven. They're seven. They're seven and six. Correct. So uh, two, if they win two out of the last four, that would be nine. And I would say borderline 
you know, I, I don't think they would absolutely not make it with nine wins, but I think 10 wins is the magic number. Yeah. You know, one of the big, big pieces uh, of that New England offense is running back Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, he left last week's game with an ankle injury. He has yet to practice this week, so it looks like he will definitely be out. What might that Patriots running back room and rotation look like should Stevenson not be active on Sunday? Well, it it also, again, it's not looking good given that he's not practiced. Um, Damian Harris, Another of their, you know, kind of who runs in tandem with Stevenson has been out the past few weeks with a thigh problem, and he's been limited in practice. I mean, I think he's a possibility. He he almost played Monday night, but, you know, they worked him out on the field and he wasn't quite ready. So I'd say there's a 50-50 chance for Damian Harris. But then, I mean, they had... They suited up two of their rookies uh, against the Cardinals Monday night, and they actually, you know, rose to the challenge, Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris. And they're two different styles of backs. You know, Harris is kind of the straight-ahead, you know, pound-through-people type of (laughs) running back. Well, Harris, uh, I mean, if he gets any daylight, he's gone. He's fast. So, and you could see both of those elements on display against the Cardinals. And I think they combined for like 98 yards and two touchdowns in that win. So it'll be Damian Harris if he's able to play. If not, uh, you'll see two rookies back there. We are chatting with Karen Garigian from the Boston Herald, our guest this week on Just Pod Baby. Um, do you expect there might be any changes to the offense without Stevenson? I mean, not only is he their leading rusher, but he also catches a lot of short passes for them as well. You mentioned Damian Harris. Um, you know, if he's able to go, he could he would pick up some of the work as the lead runner. But right. but who becomes that that third down back to fill the void in the in the short passing game? Well, uh, it you know Pierre Strong that was part of his forte in college. Uh, and if not uh, him, uh, you know, again, Damian Harris could take over the, the role. Or if they elevate J.J. Taylor, uh, he's another possibility in the third down back role. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, it's hard to know. They're also hurting at wide receiver uh, with both Devontae Parker and Jacoby Myers. Arguably, they're two best receivers, both in con- concussion protocol. What about the development of, of Mac Jones? I mean, I, I was really shocked when McDaniels took the job with the Raiders that, that Belichick didn't bring in a more accomplished offensive coordinator to help develop you know, his young quarterback, who had a really good rookie season, how has he looked in year two, and are they happy with his development at this point? Well, just to backpedal a second, you weren't the only person who was shocked <laughs> by that. Um, it, it made absolutely no sense to any of us um, that, you know, Belichick would rule, I mean there's no question that Mac Jones is their franchise quarterback first round draft pick 15th overall 
had an unprecedented rookie season with McDaniels. And then basically you leave it up to two guys, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, zero experience calling an offense, zero experience mentoring a quarterback, and you rely on those guys to take Mac Jones to the next level. So I think it's kind of played out exactly how all of us thought. Mac Jones has gone backwards. And... Uh, and he's been frustrated. We've seen explosions on the field from him. Plays don't get in on time. And the offense is just turned into one conservative, you know, basic, elementary, rudimentary offense, whereas there were so many, uh, there was so much more creativity to, you know, to the offense that they ran with Josh. And that was in New England for many years. Now, regardless of the outcome of this season, whether they make the playoffs or not, do you believe at this point that Belichick will make a, will make a change um, in the off season to the offensive coordinator? I don't, I don't think he'll want to, but if owner Robert Kraft, uh, has a little chat with him, maybe. Um, he's the other part of this equation is, you know, Belichick is seventy years old. He trusts Matt Patricia. He trusts Joe Judge, and he also firmly believes that any coach, if you're a defensive specialist, can coach offense just well, just as well. If you're a good coach in one area, you should be able to be a good coach in another. Um, it hasn't happened this year. Um, so the other part of the, oh, what I was going to get to, he's not even paying Patricia or Judge because these guys got fired from their head coaching jobs and their former teams are still paying them. So, I mean, I guess that's another attractive part of it. To Belichick that he doesn't have to pay these guys, but um, you know maybe he's happy going along the way he is. I'm not sure uh, owner Robert Kraft is happy. Wow, that's interesting. I did, I wasn't aware that uh, you know he the Patriots weren't paying those two coaches. Um, I nope. do have well, not I mean, and they and they don't even have titles. If they had titles, their other teams would wouldn't have to pay. You know, if Patricia was the, named the offensive coordinator, if he had a title of that note, uh, I, I don't think the, the Lions would have to be paying him anymore. I see. Bill won't even say he's, even though he calls the plays, he won't even call him a play caller. He's like <laughs> a special assistant and an offensive line coach. So you tell me. Yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff there. Great, great information. Um, I do have one more mm-hmm. Uh, for you uh, regarding the Patriots offense before I got a couple more on the defense. Do you have any concerns going into this matchup um, on the edges with, with Trent Brown, who I know he's been he's been dealing with a, a lingering illness, it sounds like, the past couple yep. of weeks. And, and then Isaiah Wynn, I know he's he's also been out uh, I think the last two games. You know, he's gonna be they're gonna be facing um Max Crosby who is one of the top edge rushers in the NFL and Chandler Jones who has had a a slow start to the season, although the last couple of games he's been much better. Is that something that would concern you uh, going into this game? 
Well, I think it's concerning the Patriots because their offensive line has been pretty uh, terrible all season long, has not protected Mac. And I think part of the reason for the conservative play calling and having them call 12 screen passes against Arizona Monday night is the fact that they don't have confidence the line can block. Um, so I would, I would put Max and Chandler Jones in the upper echelon of pass rush tandems. So, you know, that's going to be a big problem for the Patriots offense yeah. Sunday. It'll be a problem for the Raiders offensive line as well, trying to uh, keep that front four of the well, uh, yeah, Patriots off of Derek Carr. Even- yeah. It evens out a little bit, don't you think? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I do want to ask you about that Patriots defense real quick before I get you out of here. Bill Belichick is known as an eraser. He likes to take away the opposing team's top option. Now, this week, it might not be that easy. He's going to have to pick his poison if it's Josh Jacobs, the NFL's leading rusher, or Devontae Adams, who leads the NFL in uh, touchdown receptions. What, what do you think the game plan will be to try to slow down the Raiders uh, this week? Well, you know, they weren't able to... Let's go to the game they had Thanksgiving with Minnesota. Uh, The Vikings have a top running back there and Justin Jefferson, uh, a top receiver. I believe that they tried to stop the running back or that was the focus because they did absolutely nothing against (laughs) Jefferson. So... And, you know, they've, they've struggled. I mean, usually, you know, Belichick, you know, his history is being able to, like you said, eliminate the top threat. When there's multiple top threats, it's interesting to see which one he picks. So, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I'm going to guess he's going to try and take Jake, uh, Jacobs out, but given that didn't work well, uh, against Minnesota, maybe maybe it'll be Adams. Yeah, and it does appear that the Raiders might finally be back at full strength offensively because it sounds like Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro will uh, make an appearance this weekend as well. Uh, the final one I have for you, Karen, is, again, about the Patriots' defense. And one of the strengths of that Patriots' defense is their ability to, to turn teams over, create a lot of turnovers. They're ranked top five in the NFL right now in takeaways what makes them so good at, at taking the ball away from other teams? Is it is it just kind of right spot, right time, good scheme, or is the pass rush working in tandem with the pass coverage right now and they're complementing each other? Hmm. I think it's a little bit of all three of the things you mentioned, but in the games where the pass rush has been on point, they've been able to create more turnovers. So I would lean heavily toward the pass rush is helping, you know, create these turnovers. Um, and then a little bit of the other two. The other thing that's interesting is, um, I mean, they're typically a, a man. They like to play man to man, but they've been able to pick off more passes when they're in a zone. So it'll be interesting to see again, how they attack, you know, Raiders offense, it has a, a ton of weapons all over the place. 
Yeah, definitely. It should be an interesting game. It'll be interesting to see which Raiders team shows up. And we know the Patriots still have a lot to play for this season, so they're going to be giving it their all uh, as well. But Karen, we, we thank you so much. We, we always appreciate you coming on and giving us uh, a bit of your time. We, uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get you on again sometime down the road. And uh, uh, take care of yourself. Happy holidays and, and enjoy the game on Sunday. Same to you, Evan. Thanks. All right, there she goes, Karen Garigian from the Boston Herald. Uh, always a good conversation with her. And uh, a little bit of a takeaway there from our conversation, and I want you all to focus on it as well. We all should be a little bit more patient, although it wasn't the season that we all were hoping for with the Raiders. She did make some good points about just being patient with, with McDaniels and, and his system, especially offensively. It's a very difficult system to pick up, and that was the first thing that she mentioned um, and again, she knows she knows McDaniel's well. She's covered him for a long time, and so if there's anyone that can and speak on him and, and some of the things that he likes to do offensively and how difficult it is to pick up, it would be Karen. And that's why I thought she'd be a great guest for us this week. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for the show this week. Uh, I want to thank everyone who tuned in to listen. I want to thank all of you that are subscribing to the show. If you don't mind, please go on and leave me a positive review and rating. That really helps out the show a lot. Um, You can expect to hear a new show next week, same time. Uh, We will talk about the news from the week. We'll recap the game just a little bit, and then we will look ahead to the following week's game, week 16 in Pittsburgh on Christmas Eve. Uh, All right, guys, take care. Uh, Have a great weekend. Supposed to get some more snow here uh, in western New York. Another lake effect snowstorm. If those of you that watched that Bills game on Saturday night, you're going to see a big time snow game. So that'll be fun to watch as always. But again, everybody enjoy the game on Sunday with the Raiders versus the Patriots. Uh, I am your host, Evan Grote. And as always, just win, baby.